Right. Did every uh, everybody get a sheet? <laughs> get one of the sheets in the back. Everybody get a sheet in the back. Okay. You're you're so good. Excellent job. <laughs> Pardon? No PowerPoint. Okay. The uh, church will be the PowerPoint tonight. <laughs> okay. So First Corinthians chapter seven. This is a follow up on uh, our discussion of Matthew 19, Matthew 5, and Deuteronomy 24 that we had last month, which feels like six months ago uh, for me. Uh, I'm not sure I know how to preach on Sunday night right now. Uh, so uh, anyway, that's, that's what we had looked at, and I promised we would follow up. Uh, we want to now look at 1 Corinthians 7, which has always been a challenging uh, text. There are a lot of things in 1 Corinthians 7 that folks have a lot of questions about, and we want to we want to answer certainly answer those questions and deal with some of those things. But the the real uh, concern when we're talking about this subject of divorce and remarriage, uh, the real concern is the way 1 Corinthians 7 has often been used, and uh, so I want tonight just for us to walk through especially these first 24 verses. Uh, if we get a chance to go a little further, we could. But just these 24 verses and take a look at what the message is in the text and deal with some of the hard spots in the text. And then I'll bring up some of the things and present to you some of the, some of the ways that I think people have deviated or taken this text and gone in a direction that may not be contextual. So that will be our, uh, be our goal for tonight. The first thing I'd like to do is just note something with you. It's a very unique chapter in which, in fact, the book of 1 Corinthians is this way. You'll notice in 1 Corinthians, Paul's always giving you a heads up as to what he's about to talk about. <laughs> he just seems to do it every single time, and he does so in this text. When you, when you look at the text, you will notice that... First off, you have the first section where he goes, now concerning, and he does one through five. And then verse six, another, now he's going to transition to those who are not married. He starts with those who are, then those who are not married. And then, uh, and, and he goes through that. And then verse 10, now to the married. Verse 12, now to the rest. Verse 25, now concerning the betrothed, if you're reading ESV, or some versions translate virgins, and then concludes it with a general uh, law or rule in verse thir verses 39 and 40. So you can see that that pattern goes through here. One other pattern that I will notice with you is he's constantly saying, remain in this situation. Still keep, keep doing this. Remain in this. Stay in this. And so uh, one through five, uh, married people stay in a sexual relationship. Verses six through nine, uh, if you're unmarried, stay unmarried. Uh, verses 10 and 11, you're married, stay married. Verses 12 down through 24, in the state that you're in, stay in that state which is married to an unbeliever. Uh, then verse 25 and following, if you're engaged, betrothed, or whatever, stay in that situation. Now, you probably notice, if you've studied this before, there's exceptions in each one of those states. So it's a rule, and then there's, there's always embedded an exception 
at certain spots in that. So you see this interesting pattern that goes through uh, the entire text with this key word, remain or stay, in a particular situation that he's talking about. All right? So there's our, there's our setup. Let's start when we're going to, uh, let's start with reading together one through five, and then I want to just give you a minute uh, to think about what you believe as the main point of the text, what's the key point of the text, and here's the hard part. What was the question? Because <laughs> the beginning is now concerning matters which you wrote. So they're asking Paul questions. So now you've got to figure out, play Jeopardy, find out, you have an answer, what's the question, all right, and why, all right? So let's read one through five together. Now concerning the matters about which you wrote, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. But because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights and likewise the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does likewise. The husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another except perhaps by agreement for a limited time that you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. All right, take about 60 seconds. Mark anything in there that you uh, think is important to, uh, to, to look at and discuss, but mainly try to see what's Paul's main point here and what was their question. Right there's 60 seconds. You should know everything there should be to know, right? In that take, just from 60 seconds. <laughs> All right, can, can anybody figure out, what would you figure out is the primary question or what, why is Paul having to answer this? Can you figure out what the, what the question is, what the problem is? Okay, is, but do you see anything in one through five that talks about divorce? No, okay. So I'm not sure that's, that's, that's there, okay? We, we might see something a little later on that. Adam? It seems to me that they wrote asking him, should husband and wife abstain from sexual relations? Yeah. Ostensibly because it's a carnal thing, and so should we just yeah. abstain from all carnal things? And his answer is nope. Nope. <laughs> that's exactly right. Exactly. Right. right, right. Good observation. You compare that to six where he's warning that you become one spirit with a prostitute, you become one body with her and all of this. So there could have been some who got in that situation. I can tell you by even our present day, you will find groups, pockets, even forming clubs, uh, not even religious people, clubs and pockets of people who say, uh, I am going to abstain from sexual relations the rest of my life. And this is my devotion. Do you know why? Because they participated in it so much that they've ruined themselves. 
this has happened in, in different countries all over the world, and every, night, every now and then it will pop up in the news of some oddball group, you know, <laughs> who's decided that they, they need to do without that. Well, Corinth was that kind of just over-the-top type of sexuality, and so this could be part of that. They've become Christians. It's like, is it good for even us to be doing this as married people, etc.? You will notice in verse 1 the quotation marks that our, our translators have put in in your Bible. Everybody got to see the quotation? It, it, it is in the, yeah, in, in the readout. So, but even in your Bibles, you'll have this quotation mark. Paul does this a number of times in 1 Corinthians where he actually cites what they're saying. So you have that idea. Okay, good. Anything else? What else would you notice in the text? Uh, he, of course, corrects them, says, no, that's not true. You shouldn't, that's not the route you want to take. What, are, what else does he, do you see that's important? Okay. Yeah. Each... That, that's exactly right. So, so each one, it, you'll notice, and this is where, you know, here I'm going to show you something that, that happens with this text. Verse 2. Because of temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. The word have here is the idea of having them sexually. Each husband should have sexually his own wife. Each wife should have sexually her own husband. He's not saying, and this is, this is the way uh, in my years of California, uh, this is the way this would be interpreted. Well, no matter how many times you've been divorced or whatever, uh, that, that doesn't matter. He said right here, everybody should have their own wife and everybody should have their own husband. So even if you've been divorced and remarried unscripturally 10 times, you can go out and get another wife or husband. That's the way that's taught and interpreted. Well, unfortunately, that's not what he's saying. He's talking about to the, to the married here and specifically the married sexual relationship. And he's saying, here's the deal. Uh, you, you do not reject them. You have them in a sexual relationship. That's, that's the idea. Well, another thing that adds to that, that is, is being brought up here, you notice who has authority. And, and we always, you know, that, that's an interesting statement. He says in verse 4, wife doesn't have authority over her body. Husband doesn't have authority over his body. So my wife has authority over my body. Nobody else does. No other woman in the world does. Same thing, vice versa. So this is an exclusive, exclusivity in who has authority. That's important. And, of course, he really calls it out as sinful to deprive one another. And there's also an exception. What's the exception? Yeah. yeah, under, there's two things. Under agreement, limited time, and for prayer. <laughs> okay, so that, by the way, that gives us an idea of how maybe undevoted we are sometimes to prayer. <laughs> this is such a significant point that he's going, yes, there may be a limited time where the two of you want to really devote yourself to long hours of prayer and you want to really concentrate and not, not interrupt that. So that's okay. All right, so, so there you see the exceptions and you see that in most of the sections here. Anything else on this text that you think should be brought up? 
All right, very good. Let's, uh, let's look now at just 6 through 9. Now, as a concession, not a command, I say this. I wish that all were as I myself, but each, one, each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. To the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. All right, take a minute. Tell me what, and tell me what you see. Give, him, give it a minute just to look at some things there. Okay, what uh, couple couple of main points? What do you what do you see here? He implies, and he'll talk about it a little more later, but he implies that he sees a benefit in remaining unmarried. Okay? Uh, anything or words in the text that indicate something about that benefit? By the way, Roman Empire period of time, nobody really thought about that as a benefit. That was off the radar. In fact, uh, read something this afternoon that uh, the the Roman government insisted that everybody get married, and, and you you were in some cases fined if you did it. So it was not seen as a uh, as a real great thing to not get married. All right. So here he's saying there's something good about it. Okay. Can you see a word in there that would indicate part of the benefit? It's a gift. Gift. So, single people, even single people who would really like to get married, and there's nothing wrong with obviously doing that, but he says you need to count your gift. You need to see a blessing in this. Uh, that, that is an, just an interesting statement in itself recognize a gift you have been given, and then realize a way to use your gift that God has given you. That's a, that's a more positive perspective, isn't it? It's not a curse. It's not a punishment. It's not a you're not worth something. It's not any of those things. It's a gift. And so there's, there's something beautiful just about him talking in that, in that way. In fact, he says it's something that can be better than marriage in some situations. Adam. Could be instructive as to how we address those who are single and treat that state. And if it's acceptable to be single long term or forever, or if we all have a desire to change that. Yeah. And that, I think that's very, very true. Uh, uh, it's, it's, uh, it, it, and sometimes we just fall into a habit of, of uh, relating, if we're married, relating easier to other married people and not thinking about the, the value of those who are single. And obviously in the body, uh, there is great value all the way around. Everybody has tremendous value, is gifted to bring something 
to the work of the Lord. And, uh, and we need to recognize that. And we need to value that. I mean, look at Paul. He's able to do amazing things uh, because he's single. And, and there's no doubt Paul is looking at this a lot of ways in what can be accomplished at times uh, if you are single. Obviously, that's not nullifying the, the beginning when, when God said it's not good that man should be alone. He creates this great uh, relationship that is valuable. And even Paul mentions that. Some have one gift, some have another. These are both gifts that God has given us. Yeah, best I could do it two pages. <laughs> right. In the next two verses, verse 26 in particular, because of the present distress, I think it's really critical to put this whole chapter in context. What does he mean by the present distress? Why is he giving this advice? Because he goes on to say in verse 32, I want you to be without concern. In this present distress, your, the persecution, verse 32, I want you to be without concern. And he says, so... His gift, basically his, it's easier for me as a single man to be devoted to Christ because I don't have one. A married man has to maybe be tempted by protecting his wife. I don't have to worry about that for my devotion. Good. So I just think it's an important contextual point in this chapter. Yeah, and, and that's, uh, I'm glad you brought that up. In fact, verse, uh, verse 31 actually says, for the present form of this world is passing away. Uh, so some big things are about to happen. Some big changes are about to happen. And he does not want them to be affected by, uh, by those changes in the negative ways. You're going to be in an easier situation. You might remember that when Jesus was predicting the destruction of Jerusalem, he said, woe to those who are pregnant in those days. <laughs> Can you imagine fleeing to the mountains? You know, you can't enter any city or anything. You're fleeing to the mountains and you're eight months pregnant and you're going to give birth up in those mountains somewhere and, and uh, you know, your husband has to, has to take care of you and children and all of this. And he's saying, just going to be a tough road. And uh, go ahead. No. Being married is not a bad thing. No. He's going on and saying it, 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 this is what the way God intended it to be. Yeah. It is the way that God yeah. intended it to be. But there are <laughs> There's some reasons not to. That's right. To be devoted to God. Yeah. Just for concern about you. Yeah. Exactly right. Notice verse 6. What is his emphasis there? It's not a command. Okay, this is by concession, meaning the Lord has allowed me to give you some advice here, give you some heads up. This is not a command. You don't have to worry about uh, sinning if you decide to marry. In fact, what's the circumstance by which you should go ahead and marry? What? You lack self-control. Okay, so he's already talked about how to have self-control in a marriage back in 1 through 5. The conjugal relationship between husband and wife that's regular maintains self-control. So now he's saying, what's your gift? If you uh, do not feel like you can do this, and it's better than to marry, as people used to say when they read the old King James Version, 
because it just said better to marry than to burn. So people always said better to marry than to burn in hell. And <laughs> I, think, I think marriage is a little higher than that. But <laughs> no, burn with passion was the idea, and the newer versions uh, point that out. Uh, so yeah, we, what Paul's saying, you don't need to be uh, in a situation where you're burning with passion, so certainly seek to get married if that is at all possible for you. Uh, so so there, there would be that, that situation as well. Okay? Any other thoughts, questions on that particular text? You mentioned just something by, I think, experience and just knowledge over the years, uh, and I, I find this in talking to others uh, as well. If you're thinking, in, well, what about me who's single and, you know, I have passions too, and, but I can't find somebody to marry, uh, or, you know, all those kinds of things. Um, in my experience, and I think the experience of most people, to maintain purity when you're single is in some ways easier than to maintain purity after you're married because now you have experienced the sexual relationship and there now your eyes are opened and you're more aware and that's why he's talking about husbands and wives you need to really maintain this relationship I find in myself it was not that difficult to stay pure before I got married. I don't know what it was about anyway. I hadn't participated in that. So it was much easier to think in terms of, hey, you know, that's the way it is. Once you get married in your regular re sexual relationship, you are more aware of your own desires. And once you've participated in that, it is very much like uh, you've eaten some potato chips and now you want more potato chips. <laughs> and so there, there's, there's something to be said about that as well. There's, uh, I almost could say the Lord said I could do that by concession, like Paul said maybe. Uh, <laughs> but but that, that is, uh, I think, a, a point to, uh, to also realize. Uh, if you're a single, purity can help you maintain purity and keeping yourself uh, from those things and I, th I think especially of young men uh, and not just young men but even older who participate in pornography and things like this and then give the excuse that well you know it's those passions no you're creating the passions you're ex exacerbating it you're making it worse keep your eyes where they ought to be you'll have a whole lot easier time in in dealing with those things okay so just a little side note let's look at 10 and 11 this is uh, just two verses, but there's some challenges here. Tell me what they are. To the married I give this charge, not I but the Lord. The wife should not separate from her husband. But if she does, she should remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. And the husband should not divorce his wife. Okay, name, name a couple of problems in this text or challenges in understanding the text. It says should not. Okay. Yeah, huge, huge. What are you talking about, Paul? I mean, I, let's, let's just all make an agreement that when we get to heaven, we're going to go, what was that passage about? You tell us not to do it, but then you say, if you do it, ah, well. 
weird. Okay? We're going to talk about that. Can you see something else that is a little tough? Pardon? Something's different for the husband? Okay. That's a, that's, that's a good question. All right? What else? Very first line. Not I, but the Lord. What's that mean? Okay, yeah. So, the Lord has already taught on this. That's what we studied last month. So, I'm, I, this, is, this is something I'm giving you that the Lord has already talked about. He's already given this. And, of course, you can go back to Matthew 19, Matthew 5, many other passages, and see Jesus teaching what a married people, and what did Jesus say? What God joined together, let not man separate. Now, would you think that since Jesus said that, and Paul even re repeats that, that it is a sin for husband and wife to separate, and we're not dealing with um, other than the cause of adultery, okay? So it, would you say it was sinful to uh, separate or get a divorce based on what Jesus said in Matthew 19 and what Paul uh, repeats here? See one head nodding up and down. The rest of the church is going, huh? I'm scared to say anything. <laughs> it's, it would be an absolute, wouldn't it be an absolute violation? I mean, it's just breaking the law. He said, don't do it. Don't do that. What God has joined together, let not man separate. Jesus made that very, very clear. Divorce is a sin, other than the exception Jesus gives for cause of fornication. That, that he says, you can't, you can't do that. Do not separate. Now, by the way, to answer what Wayne said, um, you will notice he uses the word separate in verse 10, divorce in verse 11. Uh, two different Greek words, no doubt, the exact same thing. It, 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 it's synony it's, those are synonyms in the Greek. So it's just like Jesus used the word separate when he was talking about, and then turned around and also used the word divorce in Matthew 19. Matthew 19, verse 6, let not man separate what God has joined. Let not man separate. And then in, in verse 9, whoever divorces his wife, except for the cause of fornication, he uses them interchangeably in the text. He, there, there, isn't, there isn't any such thing, in other words, in the Roman Empire period of time, of a legal separation. <laughs> We, we, we got separated, but we didn't get divorced, so then it's okay. No, 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 no. Can you think of some other violations other than uh, a wife separates from her husband, she leaves her husband, uh, can you think of another sin she has committed in doing that? Um. Drew. Is it talking about the first part of what we were just reading? Yeah, first five verses. You, you are not allowed to deprive your husband. You're not allowed to deprive your wife. So you not only are separating, you are then depriving them as well and leaving them vulnerable to sexual immorality. So there, there is another violation that is going on here. So it's not just, oh, you know, uh, I'm not supposed to divorce. Now, 
I can tell you again, in my years of preaching, etc., many, many times, well, fortunately not tons of times, but a number of times, I have had a situation where a woman said, I'm sick and tired of being married. I mean, I got a fine husband. In some cases, I got a fine husband. He's okay. It's a, I just don't like being married. I just found out I don't like it. And so I don't want to ever get married again. I don't want to, but at least the Bible said that if I dump him, uh, I can remain unmarried and I'm not sinning. And so that's what I'm going to do. Seen that a number of times. And seen daddy take her home and go, it's okay, honey. If you want to live with me the rest of your life, you can do that. It's when you punch the dad, you know, you're going, give me a break. What? Are you encouraging your daughter in that way? Come on, that's terrible. All right, but then you've got to deal with this text. Because Paul says, but if she does, well, I'll give her two choices. Can't remarry, can't, unmar can't remarry. But she either remains unmarried or be reconciled. By the way, it doesn't say she, you either remain unmarried bound or reconciled. Marriage in the New Testament refers to the relationship regardless of the legality of it. Herod married his brother's wife. And Jesus said, or John the Baptist said, it is not lawful for you to have her. But it was still called a marriage. There's a difference between being married and being bound. You may be married and not bound. Be unbound and married, because it's just talking about the relationship. All right? Uh, whoever puts away his wife and marries another commits adultery. Matthew 19.9. The marriage is adulterous, but it's still called a marriage. Make that differentiation. I used to hear people all the time say, well, um, did God recognize the marriage or not recognize the marriage? Uh, it's got nothing to do with it. God obviously recognized that it was a marriage. He just said it was sinful because he called it a marriage. <laughs> See the difference? You'll, you'll meet yourself coming and going if you don't make that differentiation. Yes. Taking it one step further, I've heard the argument made where if there's a divorce, Maybe brothers for the reason. Or if it's, no. If it's not a divorce, but not for sexual morality. That in the eyes of God, that divorce is illegitimate because in the eyes of God, they are still married. Yeah, see, that's a bad way of saying it. God doesn't say it that way. If you get a divorce, it is a divorce in the eyes of God. It doesn't mean you're not still bound to each other. And if you marry somebody else, you did marry them. It doesn't mean you're bound to them. Uh, the very end of 1 Corinthians 7, verse 39, a wife is bound to her husband so as long as he lives. But if her husband dies, she's free to be married to uh, whom she wishes. So you're bound as long as she lives. Romans 7, 2 and 3 actually states it as uh, if while they're married... She 
joins herself to another man, she is called an adulteress. She's married. She's married to a new man. She's bound to her first husband. That's why it's adultery. So the difference between bound and marriage. Marriage is the relationship. Bound is the covenant that has not been broken. And God only allows that covenant to be separated based on immorality, sexual immorality. Make sense? saying that if they get remarried, they're not bound to the second. That's exactly right. If they're still bound, to the, if they got divorced for some other reason, then sexual immorality, and that's what David Lee was saying. Well, again, listen to Matthew 19.9. Whoever puts away his wife, except for sexual immorality, and marries another, okay, you, are, you put away one, you put away your, your wife, and you married another. And what did you do? You committed adultery. Why did you commit adultery? Because you're still bound. You did marry. That's the relationship. That doesn't mean you're bound. God has to join. God doesn't join if you didn't have a right to do so. So I'm just talking about terminology here because terminology is important when you talk about this. Using biblical terminology is important. Well, when he married another after putting away his wife, did God, did God recognize it or not recognize it? Well, he just called it marriage. <laughs> it is marriage. He just called it an adulterous marriage. Again, Herod Herodias. John said, you married your brother's wife. Okay? God said, it's not lawful for you to do so. But he did marry her. He said he did. See the point. Yeah. 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 She had been married. He had been married. You know, they, they, they had, were bound to others. They didn't have a right uh, to do those things. Okay. Adam. You still haven't addressed the, the issue. Yeah, I know. So I'm just going to skip it. <laughs> Okay, so let's, let's walk through that a bit. Um, <clears throat> there, there, uh, there is a, a, a bit of a challenge. Can you think of a situation in which a woman came to you and said, I need to leave my husband and I do not believe I would be sinning if I did so? Can you think of a situation? Go ahead. Tell me. Physical abuse. Physical abuse. Pornography. Won't stop. Won't repent. Won't change. I've had a number of situations where in the, sometimes a man, sometimes a woman came to me and said, he or she, my spouse, is selling drugs out of the house. We have children and he is selling drugs out of the house. What do I do? I said, grab the kids and get out. If you don't, you're complicit and you're going to lose your children. They're going to be placed in a foster home. You've got to get out. He's beating you. You, you see a woman, she's got black eyes, everything else. The typical thing's got, he's going to kill you. Now, I have had one church... <laughs> We'll go unnamed that I was in. Had a, uh, a very vocal lady said, no, 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 no. 
Uh, I love her dearly, by the way. She's a very good friend. But she said, no, 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 no. Uh, you have to stay, even if he's beating you. And I said, well, uh, there's a couple of, couple of problems that I would see with that. Uh, the, the first is, did Paul stay in a city and get beaten and allow himself to get arrested by the leaders in that city? Because, well, I've got to let them beat me. Did, did Paul do that? No. When the king Aretas in the city of Damascus put a warrant out for his arrest, and they're watching the gates and the walls, how did Paul get out? The brethren let him over the wall in a basket so he could escape. He's not obeying the law. And the law says he has to stay because he was, he was going to arrest him. It's like, the guy didn't have an ounce of authority to do such a thing, and he's not going to stay around and get beat. So that's, that's, that's the first thing. Um, I know a preacher. This happened years and years and years ago. He would be my age by now. But when he was younger, his wife went a little Lulu. Not a little Lulu, a lot Lulu. And he would wake up at night, and she would have a butcher knife to his throat. And he, she would get in his face and go, one night, I'm going to slit it. <laughs> so go to sleep comfortably, guys. No, he committed her to a hospital. He never remarried. He made a vow he never would. But he had to commit her to a hospital, and as far as I know, she never got better. Separation, look, be reasonable. I believe that what Paul is doing here is he's recognizing that there are unusual situations in which you would have to do that in order to maintain what you're supposed to do as a Christian. <laughs> this is not what's required of a Christian to be in that situation. And there would be a number of situations like now here's the here's the little struggle here the struggle here is sometimes you can have a spouse who just goes well I just can't take it anymore take what well he's just not nice he's just not this he's just not that okay hold on um, we all go through yucky things in marriage he's not threatening you or he's not you know there's not these other things going on so we have to be very very careful here about <laughs> You know, how far we take that, and some will. And indeed, you bring something up very good here, Evan. Uh, the, the, the main point, keeping the commandments of God. And in that next context, 12 through 24, uh, it is interesting that he actually tells a Christian that he or she is allowed to divorce if their unbelieving mate is not happy to live with them or dwell with them. And I, I believe the circumstances there are one became a Christian, the other didn't, when Paul came to preach to them. And the one who didn't uh, become a Christian is livid that now he is married to a Christian wife. I had, I've had this, thing, this happen 
uh, two different times in my preaching life in which I converted one. I converted uh, in, in one case, uh, well, I think it was both cases. I converted the woman, and uh, the man was just livid about it because they got married under the premise of going to bars and bar hopping and dancing and, and you know, the, the whole nightlife thing and um, Nashville Broadway or something like that. That was their life. And then when she went, now I'll be the best wife ever, but I'm not doing that with you anymore. And he, he said, I just gave her havoc and, and, and finally just said, I, I don't want to live with you. And, uh, and, and that was that. Uh, both in both cases, the women continued to be faithful to God. Yes, Belinda. Not according to First Peter. Yeah. So why would the wife be allowed to leave? If the slave And I, I understand. I understand that that's always been a a, 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 a bit of a challenging question. But um, if you see as a slave, to get out of that situation uh, could mean death for you if you're caught or whatever. I mean, I. All I can say is Peter actually talked about in 1 Peter chapter 2, as I'm sure you well know, uh, that, uh, that that was the situation of the slave. He did not repeat that to the wife, though, with an unbelieving husband in 1 Peter 3 when he followed up on that. Uh, so that's, that's really the only answer I have for you, except to say we have many situations like Paul, etc., who literally broke the law in order to get away from a situation where he would have been beaten or killed. That's the best I can do. Adam, you have to add to that? Well, I think a difference might be that um, there was law governing how slaves and master relationships worked that didn't allow for a slave to separate yeah. in that way. Um, but with marriage, there are ways in which the law does allow yeah. the, the relationship to separate. Thankfully, I don't have to spend as much time worrying about the slavery part of that. Yeah. Recognize that um, hopefully Christ, as we understand it, doesn't call spouses to be in a relationship. It's been interesting to me, in, in one case, this woman that I mentioned who thought you had to stay, uh, years later, who her husband fell away, etc., and... Uh, I don't know exactly what he did, pushed her, punched her or something, and that did it for her. <laughs> she changed her whole mind when she got punched. So not, not to giggle about that, but it, it, it's a little bit different when you have to actually endure uh, as a weaker, uh, physically weaker person, some big guy doing that. Now, um, uh, I, I know uh, we're all just got a couple of minutes. Uh, uh, some a, a good friend uh, and Christian little lady uh, married to a great big New Yorker guy that I fortunately was able to teach, and he became a Christian. But she told me about her mom and dad. And dad, her dad was would, would always come home drunk a lot and stuff like this. And he came home drunk one night, 
and just pushed her mom around. It just pushed, didn't slug her, but just pushed her real hard and stuff. So he passed out on the bed and she took a frying pan and went up while he was asleep and went whack right in his forehead and put a big old, big old scar on his head and everything. And he woke up in the morning and he's like, ho, baby, what happened? And she goes, you came home drunk and pushed me around, and that's just a warning. <laughs> she, he never did it again. Just a little advice there. You know, I'm just throwing something out. I don't know. You have to sleep. <laughs> exactly what we talked about last time and, and and it's so important to realize that because marriage isn't a Christian law or a law for people who just you know want to follow God or something like that that has always been the law and that's the first thing Jesus did with the Jews he went back to the beginning and said here's the way it's always been okay so um, stay tuned uh, I don't know when I get to preach uh, Sunday night again but we will do the rest of this text which is really getting into the nuts and bolts of some real challenging and fun things. And uh, so please look forward to that. Uh, we're going to sing a song right now. And uh, uh, we want to, of course, urge anyone who has needs here in the church, or if you are not a Christian and you know what you need to do and like to become a Christian by being immersed for the remission of your sins, you can certainly do that this evening. While together we stand and while we sing.